I met Keith Lash through my first museum job. He came in on occasion to help out at the Ringling Museum while I was there. Recently, I learned that the position I was fortunate enough to fill is the one that he had left after five years. Keith was a guide, a supporter, and a fellow artist on the scene during my years in Sarasota. I never thought about it that much. I was too self-centered. I know him from his artist Art Handler days, though he made an interesting 25-year career change into drafting in the mid-90s. He's back at it now, installing some of the new venues that have popped up over the 30 years that I was gone. He's also brought me up to speed on a few changes in the Sarasota Museum and Gallery world. Keith holds an AA degree of Fine Arts from Polk Community College in Winter Haven and a BA in Sculpture and Drawing from New College of Florida in Sarasota. What a great way to get back in touch with Keith. Hey. Oh, hey. Uh, sorry about that. Didn't, That's okay. I didn't have my gear plugged in uh, properly. What, what, are you, what are you doing right now? What, what have you been up to? Uh, right now is in today or right now is in lately? Mm, you know, either either one or both, you know, as we, well, as, uh, oh, cause, because we're recording, you know, easing into the, oh, okay. easing into All right. the conversation. Um, yeah. Well, lately I've just been uh, working on my artwork mm-hmm. um, and just trying to survive through this uh, pandemic. Oh, yeah. uh, it's yeah. been quite interesting, to say the least. Sure has. Uh, uh, you know, I go out a little bit. We'll go to the we'll go to the store or something, but okay. I try to minimize it as much as possible. Being an elderly uh, citizen, but right. regardless, it's been you know I I, I don't I, I don't mind not going out a lot. Mm-hmm. It's been kind of good for me actually. Yeah. But uh, it's one of those things where I like it better when I can when I can choose to go out if I want to. So in other words, I, I hate being kind of. <laughs> Told I can't go out. Right, right. But regardless, it's yeah, it's yeah. not been bad. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, but like I said, been working on my artwork, mm-hmm. taking the time to you know make the most of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, okay. just surviving. Cool. Well, that's not, yeah. Sounds like sounds like you're doing it. same same as me uh, right now. Yeah. You know, just like I think same as most people. Right. Actually. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Anybody that's responsible is doing that. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's for sure. It is, but it's a it's a thrill to drive uh, uh, to go drive and pick up groceries. Now it's like yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> I feel I feel like it's my oh wow. I feel yeah. like the dog hanging the head out the window. You know, yeah, like, yeah, wind, exactly. wind through my hair. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, let's see. You uh oh oh an interesting uh, tidbit that connects us is that you told me that you're the, you vacated the position at the Ringling Museum that I ended up getting to fill. That's, I think that's correct. Um, yeah, when I left the Ringling uh, to kind of go out on my own, um, I believe you were the person they hired to mm-hmm. replace me. Nope. Uh, and what's unusual, is, or what's kind of unfortunate, is that we actually never had an opportunity to work together. Because exactly. yeah. I think about a year or two, about a, well, about a year or two after I left, mm-hmm. I started working again as a contractor, yeah. oh, doing installation work for them. So Keith, it uh, on a, I mean that's partly I think how we met. Though I did, I was there for some of the times you came back. Oh, okay. So okay. I have a few memories of of you being there, you and Dieter. Yeah. And like, did you do the uh, towards abstraction mm-hmm. show for Joe Jacobs? Uh, that sounds like something I did. Uh, yeah. I can't remember. I mean, definitely worked with Joe. Uh, mm-hmm. 
But uh, but yeah, it was one of those things where uh, yeah, I think I vacated, you moved in, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think shortly, God, after you left is when they kind of came in and and basically dismantled the department. Really, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, um, they. Uh, I would say you left in like eighty nine. Eighty. 89, yeah. So you were only there a little over a year, well, or about a year, Yeah, I, I call it two years, but it yeah. it was barely, if it was, it was barely two years, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think around 90, between 90 and 91, mm-hmm. they they came in and basically just shut down what, what had been called the implementation department. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think, for example, they had... Well, Pete left, um, and he went to work for the company that did the medieval fair. Oh, really? Um, and, yeah. And uh, a lot of people, you know, they, they just basically got rid of everybody, and they, they dismantled the apartment. Betty was gone, everything. Jeez. They kept the curatorial department, and they took over the responsibility for doing the installation. Boy, very and, interesting. And so I would, get a, I would continue to work for them, they, and I, there was, I think, one preparator, it was full time that, uh-huh. that stayed there. Was, and Chris, was they, Chris still there at that time, or, or had no? He... Chris had already left. Okay, I think he had left by ninety one or so, ninety two. When uh-huh. did he leave? I, I I can't remember when he left, but uh-huh. I don't believe. Uh, I think when I started, when I like I say, when going back and working for them, con, you know, as a mm-hmm. contractor. Yeah, there was really only one person there, and and then of course Ron McCarty and yeah, Ron. Michelle Scalera and yeah. the whole you know and all and then there was a new um I don't know if Ed Amator was there as the uh, registrar but he had uh-huh. um a couple people he would call in okay but uh it was an interesting time because it was kind of one of those things where and they but they really weren't doing a whole lot of exhibitions mm-hmm. i mean it was it was a pretty and it was mostly um almost entirely revolved around old masters baroque <clears throat> related yeah. and they were can shows coming from other museums yeah because that, yeah that's what the museum's known for anyways the, oh i noticed yeah, they also I, built an, a, an addition that i guess it was probably was several years ago now but it seems like there was a new a new new wing. well they built well they they built two new new wings they, oh, they really? have not only they not only have what would on the north side well I, you know to get in i don't want to get into them but, but on the north okay, side okay. of the building where what used to be the oslo theater had mm-hmm. been they moved the oslo theater to a new building uh, across over in its own complex uh-huh. and then had converted that whole area all the way out to um to kind of contain the temporary exhibits wing uh-huh. and and where the te- where we used to do the temporary exhibits mm-hmm. um they converted into becoming the new asian wing and now there, there's an actually uh-huh. an actual building there it's it's a beautiful building mm-hmm. uh the outside is all green ceramic. It's uh-huh. just incredibly stunning. Uh-huh. But they they built that. They also moved all the um, like the conservators and the library and all moved over to another building that is on a little space area. Um, you know where the driveway used to go all down all the way down and it, and it dead ended into a like a cul de sac. Yeah, that area got converted to this to the administration building or the conservator the the uh, really? conservator and the librarian wait the, there. the main driveway that went out to uh, mm-hmm. uh yeah uh, the yeah the way we used to get our deliveries and stuff, yeah. trail oh no mm-hmm. the, oh 
Yeah, the main, the driveway for the deliveries, you know. Oh, the, the oh, for south, along the I south see edge. shipments. It was sort yeah. of also a parking lot. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that, that got converted into becoming another building. And uh-huh. and so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot different. And it's, it's quite interesting it, the way they have things set up. But um, like I said, though, in that period of time in the middle, uh, early in middle 90s mm-hmm. is when there was a lot of transition. And they were trying to under they were trying to institute a lot of finish up those renovations to mm-hmm. the museum to Catazon and all that. So yeah, we underwent a lot of changes. Absolutely right. amazing. I got some catching up to do. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go online and check it out because it's just incredible. Uh-huh. The, new, the new grounds you, you wouldn't even hardly recognize. All right. it. you I really will. wouldn't, Larry. Wow, I will check it out. So t- let's see. So, but before that, you had some uh, earlier work experiences well not that, the ringling museum was my first art handling experience yeah, okay. but i did have i did have a brush with uh, after i finished college um mm-hmm. and got my degree i i, I worked my way through school cleaning offices at night and it was the perfect thing for an artist you yeah, know i mean i like imagine, I, I would yeah. go to work at six get off at midnight or one o'clock uh-huh. and you know i could come come back and work in the studio where i could you know Go to bed and get you know get a few hours sleep yeah. up and I got the whole day to myself, so it was it was ideal uh, mm-hmm. for a while. But of course, it's one of those things where you're like yeah that this, yeah this getting old gets old fast and, um, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but uh, I had I had met some people when I was in school because you know, my my professor Jack Cartledge, who was a sculptor here in town, uh-huh. was an incredible and incredible individual. He knew everybody. He you know he had worked with Sid Solomon. He knew. Uh-huh. All the gallery people, he knew everybody. So he introduced me to a lot of these people. What was his name again? One of the, Jack Cartledge. Jack Cartledge, okay. Yes, yeah. And one of the people he introduced me to was, was Marcia Corbino. Um, uh-huh. Her, her uh-huh. husband was John Corbino, the, the, he's a fairly, fairly well-known artist. Uh, yeah, yeah. And he, um, anyway, they, they had, he, she and her son had a gallery. Mm-hmm. And I, I got to know them a little bit, and they hooked me up with Jimmy Ernst, who was an artist who had a um, a, a winter home down here. Okay, the lived son out on of Casey King, son of Max Ernst. Right? Son of Max Ernst. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a well-known painter himself, an uh-huh. abstract, well, early you know, uh, abstract expressionist. Yeah. In fact, he's he's in the photograph of the Irascibles that has Pollock and oh, Rothko yes. and Newman and all those. He's in that photograph. Okay, I think I saw that one. I think. Yeah. So uh, he was needing somebody to help him out in the studio a little bit, mm-hmm. and and so they suggested that I give him a call. I did, and I, I got I got a little part time job working for him. That was my first uh, okay. art related uh, actual see. job job, uh-huh. uh, and so I I worked for him for uh, well, actually I started working for him in '82. Okay, and and then of course. He was in the middle of writing his autobiography, uh-huh. or he's just finishing it up, and he was getting ready to had gone to publish, and he uh-huh. was going to be touring to uh, you know promote the book, mm-hmm. and um, he's on one of the one of radio interviews and had a heart attack and died. Oh, so, that's so terrible! I didn't. And this was in '93, I think early '93. Okay. So I didn't get a chance to really work that much with him. Mm-hmm. I got to. You know, I did a little bit for him. I was actually kind of as much a house boy as I was a studio uh-huh. assistant. Uh-huh. I'd do things around the house for him and his wife. and uh-huh. and But I would do a few things, stretching canvases, you know, gesso some stuff. Uh-huh. 
but he, you know, he had his he had, he had a permanent residence, and his permanent studio was in the was in East Hampton. Okay, and so that's where he did most of his stuff. But he he was doing a few things down here. He had a, he had a series of um, pieces that uh, he was doing that was based on the Everglades. Oh, okay. um, sea of Grass, I believe, was the name of the, the title of the series, uh-huh. and so he had a bunch of that stuff going on down here. Uh, but regardless, I mean, I, you know, I got that exposure, and then after after that, um, I kind of picked up a little job working as a display artist for a department store. Okay, and okay. I was kind of, and I, I kept thinking to myself, you know. You read about all the artists and things they've done to survive, and mm-hmm. you know Rauschenberg and Jasper Johns. That's what they did. They right, were display right. artists for uh, you know for the mm-hmm. department stores in New York. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, okay, I'm I'm trying to keep this whole thing going, right? You know, right, right. And ultimately, it's all about trying to make money mm-hmm. so I could keep doing art. Exactly. And yeah. uh, and so I did that for a short time, and then in '83, um, about the middle of '83. Yeah. Uh, a guy I went to school with, a good friend of mine, you know him, Steve Williams. Yes, Steve Williams. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he he was at the museum, mm-hmm. and he called and said, hey, we got an opening if you're interested. Mm-hmm. So I said, oh, <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> of course I am. <laughs> right, and, uh, right. yeah, so I, that's that's when I started, and I worked, worked, started working full-time for them in 83. All right, okay. So you did a pretty good, about five, what, five years, right? Yeah, I worked for them from '83 to '85. That was um, I was a full-time employee, and then, oh. like I said, yeah, they excuse me, '88, '83 to '88, okay. and that's when I left okay. to start my own business. Okay, and uh, and then after that, from from '88 to about '95, I would that's when I would continue to work for them off and on contract okay. work, and they they I would see. call and say we have an exhibition or. We need, right. we need something created, so mm-hmm. I would assist with that. Ah, you know, you, whatever was needed. I got gotcha. you. Oh, but, but let, boy, let me, when you... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to ask uh, if you had a specific story about dealing with some of the ornate frames or some of the Baroque pieces, you know. Well, just, just that, um, you know, I think we were talking originally about, you know, the difference between now and the past. Like, mm-hmm. what... Who who did who did what we used to do or what mm-hmm. you do now? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I'm I'm kind of back You're into it, it too, too a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, strange <laughs> enough. But you know who who used to do that back in the early 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 20th century? I mean, mm-hmm. you know who who was who was moving and installing the artwork? Who was mm-hmm. building the display stuff? Yeah, and and you'll find it from what I from my conversations I've had with people. That a lot of that work was was done by the buildings people mm-hmm. or the grounds people. Yeah, they didn't have you know. I mean, art handlers were. I, I say that I'm sure that there were institutions that have them. Mm-hmm. But when you get you know outside of the larger cities, you know, you you would have these. It was like you know, why are we going to hire somebody when we already have people yeah. who are working here that can do this? Exactly. And it wasn't a profession, you know, mm-hmm. per se. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that. When that started to change is whenever um, the museum sciences started to become more serious. You had, you know, the curators and the conservators and the registrars became much more professional and mm-hmm. became much more. Um, it became a, a, I guess you say, it became a profession that was defined more mm-hmm. clearly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, you know, a curator perhaps in the past was someone who was very understanding and, and perceptive of art history and mm-hmm. its relationship to what they were dealing with. Yeah. But they really didn't maybe pay a lot of attention to 
how the work was handled or, you know, if it needed to be shipped somewhere, how it was going to be shipped. Right. Um, right. And that's why a lot of times when you go, when, you know, I'm sure you used to go into the basement or go into, like, some of the storage areas mm-hmm. at the museum and you would see some of the stuff that maybe never saw the light of day and the condition yeah. it was in. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's whenever the art handler became more professional because mm-hmm. they started demanding more attention to detail yeah. and protocol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think that's, that's why I was referencing the whole thing with frames. Exactly. I mean, yeah. you would, I think, you know, when you start getting these frames, and of course now, as you well know, mm-hmm. frames are damn near as expensive as the artwork. As the artwork, yeah, yeah. Well, I remember that uh, Michelle was very attentive to us if we're ever moving mm-hmm. something, and, uh, uh, and what, Mark, uh, Mark, that we had our own frame conservator there. Oh, yeah, yeah, Mark Henry. Henry, yes, Mark Henry, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, that that such a great, great environment for... uh, Yeah. I I, I have to acknowledge that that was a great place to work for for me, too. Oh, it was. Yeah, like, I didn't realize uh, how awesome it was comparatively to what else was out there, you know. Well, you know, it's funny because I don't have a lot compare it to. I mean, I, as far as institutions go, mm-hmm. I mean, I did actually travel around Florida and do, I did some work down in Miami and mm-hmm. Fort Lauderdale at the museum down there, kind of just to the, um, kind of actually through the Ringling in some respects, uh-huh. because it was shows that they were doing that, um, Mark Orman, I don't know if you remember him. I know that name. He was a curator. I, yeah. Yeah, he was a curator at the Ringling. He, he went down and he was at the Museum of Contemporary Art in Miami. Ah, okay. And so I did, a, I did a couple of shows down there with him, mm-hmm. and then um, I did something in, in Fort Lauderdale that was uh, an extension of a Ringling exhibition. Uh-huh. So uh, I got to, you know, a little bit of exposure to other, other you know, fairly good-sized museums, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I never really did, like you and Chris, who went to New York mm-hmm. and worked places. I didn't have that kind of connection. Because yeah. you know, when I went on my own, it was just kind of... And that's interesting because when you look at how things are different between working at an institution and doing just working as a, uh, a freelancer, Yeah. whenever you might get a phone call to go to a collector's house to do an installation, or you might get somebody needs something packed and shipped to, <laughs> to New York or whatever... <laughs> You you don't know what you're gonna run into. Right, you have right. no idea. And yeah. I and I have got some stories. Oh my god, some of the odd things I would run into. Oh um, yeah. But oh. but it's weird because you know when you're at an institution, the protocol's already been set up. You know mm-hmm. how things are done, mm-hmm. where things are. All your tools are accessible. Mm-hmm. Your manpower is usually taken care of. Mm-hmm. But when you're on your own, you kind of have to dig yeah. all that stuff up and figure it out on your own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to write. Yep. And, and it's and each job is different. Oh my God, each job is way different. Yeah, I think it would be hard to have been a, a freelancer in in a town like Sarasota, but uh, like because yeah. freelancer in, in in New York City was usually worked for places they could afford to call on a couple other freelancers. So exactly, and they exactly. supplied tools a lot of times. So it it was right. a you know that's a you know a little bit easier way to work than just like because I've yeah. done some side jobs like here in. In, in Athens when I was in between and I'm like oh you know walk out to the truck and see if I brought that tool or whatever <laughs> <laughs> well that's exactly what happened yeah. yeah you almost have to have to uh I, I, well it's like I said it's, a lot of times you go and check it out first and then you assemble uh-huh. all the stuff you need yeah but uh <clears throat> 
it was it's interesting and and as i how i got a lot of that work would be someone would call the ringling and mm-hmm. say you know i've just moved here from wherever yeah, and yeah. i have you know uh 30 pieces of art that i want to install in my new condominium or my new home or whatever it may be yeah yeah uh, do you have someone you could recommend and then of course the ringling because of my connection with them and working with them for so long and Perfect, the people yeah. there knowing me uh, would give me as a reference, and then they would call me, and I would check it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it would be like I say, but every I mean, there, there was some. Inter- I got to meet interesting people. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned, but for example, I got a call to go to someone's house, and it was um, I guess his name is uh, Sulma Stravinsky. He's uh-huh. Igor Stravinsky's son. Ah. He lived here in Sarasota okay. as, when he was older, and he wanted to ship a piece up to New York. I don't know. I can't remember who was shipping it to, uh-huh. but it didn't matter. I, I go there, just, you know, okay, no big deal. Uh-huh. Well, I get there, and it's a Georgia's Cornell, Joseph Cornell, Cornell okay. construction. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the ones that had a clay pipe in it. Okay. Because he used those, uh, you know, he, clay pipes were kind of a thing for him for a uh-huh. while. Okay. And I'm like, mm, I don't think so. So uh-huh. I said, listen, what we're going to do is we're going to call Fine Arts Express uh-huh. and have them come and take take it from here because I just don't feel comfortable. Was it because um, it looked too fragile or because you didn't want yeah, to risk it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. This was, it's one of those things where no matter what I did, it, it, and, and when you're on your own, it's not like, yeah. you know, you're working for somebody else. And these other I'm companies... Li- I'm liable for things yeah, that happen. Exactly. The other companies are, have insurance for, for yes. if yeah. something... Yeah. Yeah, that probably was but a good I, call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, but I did. I did get a, a call that was a bizarre one, and, and yeah. like I'm, I don't know how much you want. I mean, oh, I'm interested. Yeah, like, yeah, I want to well, hear stories. I, I got a call <laughs> that this guy needed to have something shipped to New York to one of the auction houses. Okay, um, and it was uh, an important piece. It mm-hmm. was uh, glass, art glass, yeah. and it, it was going to be used on the cover of the uh, of the auction catalog. Mm-hmm. I think it was either Sotheby's or, or uh, Christie's. Okay. And so I go and I go to the address and, it, and, and this piece, which is, I don't know, I have no idea how much the value was. I yeah. mean, it was a Tiffany compote, which is a, which is a fruit bowl okay. uh, with a stem. And uh-huh. it was, it was, it was very nicely made and it was actually pretty, pretty sturdy. It wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't real thin glass, but okay. beautiful piece. But I go to this place to pick it up and it's a trailer park. Okay. In Bradenton. So not a high, not like a big money uh, neighborhood. That's, no, that's <laughs> the least place in the world you would expect to go pick up something that's going to end up on the on the cover of a auction, <laughs> you know, a property's auction catalog. Yeah. But, uh, but I had some strange things happen. I had one okay. very bizarre one, which right. um, I, this is probably stands out as one of the most bizarre because it's the first, it's the only run-in I ever had with this kind of thing happening. And okay. that's, I got a phone call that, this is, that is some, someone had passed away and the estate wanted to ship an original Andrew Wyeth watercolor mm-hmm. um, to New York. And I don't, I don't, I don't know if it was who it was going to, if it was going to a lawyer up there. I think it was going to a lawyer. Uh-huh. And um, so I, I picked the piece up and it was... A, I'm pretty sure it was unframed. No, I think it was framed, but they wanted to take it out of the frame because they wanted to just ship just the piece. So I, I took it out of the frame, sure. wrapped it up, you know, shipped it up. It was no big deal. It was, mm-hmm. it was, a, it was a pretty good-sized watercolor. Uh-huh. No, no, you know, it was pretty straightforward. 
didn't hear anything, no big deal. Well, mm-hmm. about two or three months, two months later, I get a phone call uh-huh. from this lawyer. Uh-huh. And they're saying, you know, so what can you tell me about this? So I gave them what I had. And I mean, uh-huh. I think one thing I tried to do to cover myself was to keep really good notes about any project I did, any uh, job I did. Yeah, yeah. So I, who I talked to, what I did, when I did it, mm-hmm. you know, what steps I took, et cetera, et cetera. Sure, so sure. I went through the whole thing and I said, and so they were like, you know, okay. And then they called back again. And asked a few more questions. I said, I said, can I ask, but what is this all about? Well, it turns out that what I shipped up there uh-huh. was a fake. Oh. And they, they surmised that the son or daughter, I can't remember which it was, of the person who passed away had stolen the piece, had it replaced with a fake, uh-huh. sold the original. Oh. And, yeah. And I was like, that was the, that was the strangest brush oh. with that kind of that Boy. I had in the whole time I was working. Yeah, wow. that was bizarre. Yeah. So you do, and, and, but I was nervous because it's sure. like, are they going to accuse me? Of yeah, yeah, that? yeah. Because it could pin that on the guy that packed it up. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the easy one. <laughs> but, yeah, so, yeah, so anyhow, that, that was a strange one. And, uh, and, and you know, like I said, there were, there were some other bizarre ones, but nothing like that. I mean, yeah. I, you know, you go to, I, I would go to this, I went to this one fellow's house, and he wanted Installation work done, mm-hmm. which is a lot of what I had to do when I go to these people's houses. Installation. Okay. Um, and he um, he had a collection of paintings by Red Skelton. I don't know if you know who Red Skelton. Is. I know. I know that he's name. A, he was an, he's an entertainer. He was a movie yes. actor okay, and that's a radio person. Kind of a and he had the Red Skelton show. Yeah. yeah. Well, he was also a painter, Did and he and he painted he painted clowns. That was his thing. <sighs> this guy this guy must have had. I don't hit 30 plus paintings by this red, by red Skelton. Of clowns. And he was, yeah, of clowns. And he was just over the moon for this guy. Amazing. And uh, very, very proud of him. And, I, and, I, and, the, and frankly, because I, I, when I was putting my notes together, mm-hmm. I, I went to look at just how much Red Skelton stuff sells for now. Mm-hmm. And surprisingly enough, those paintings sell for the, in the, you know, thousands. I'll tell you, They're if not, I was to own a, a clown painting i would want it to be by red skelton you know exactly you know, <laughs> professional I guess comedian, you're gonna have you know. one yeah emory yeah, mccallie right yeah uh, yes exactly yeah yeah yeah. professional clown but, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly well so that's that's some you know I, and they're like there were others there were other interesting interesting people and you know you get to see some interesting artwork uh get to do some interesting installations so I did a lot of that. Uh-huh. I mean, and on top of that, I also would pick up gigs like this bank here in town. They were Northern Trust Bank, which was a, it, yeah, that's a, that's all over the country, perhaps even in other parts of the world. But mm-hmm. they had the division down here. And the fellow who ran it was in, he, he wanted to be involved with the city. And one of the things he wanted to do was to offer, you know, interesting exhibitions at uh-huh. the bank. Uh-huh. Um, and so he, he, we, you know, we, he met with me. They they asked me if I would be interested in just managing the exhibitions. Mm-hmm. You know, doing the installation, yeah. making sure the work came in. You know, was was you know shipment was right. Everything went the way it was supposed to go. So I was like, kind of in charge of the whole exhibition side of it. So I set up a, a system for them to be able to hang artwork without putting holes in the wall. Right, right. Um, doing you know a, a suspension system. Mm. And yeah, that was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. They had to install that for them, mm-hmm. and then uh, but they they got 
you know, exhibitions from the Smithsonian, from the Spanish Embassy. Really? They had they had an exhibition from the Eastman House mm. Museum, which is, you know, for the, uh, they were for photographs of the presidency from, like, Abraham Lincoln on. Oh, wow. Amazing. Oh, you know, and, and they also had another branch down in Venice, so I did that and the one here in Sarasota and then the one out on Lombard. Uh, and so I did that for several years, and then I did installations for the Ringling Art School. Right. Um, okay. I, I would I would help them out because okay. the fellow, you know, do you remember Kevin Dean? Yes. Oh, yeah. He was. He yep. taught yep. me uh, art yep. history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. But he was the he was the uh, the gallery director, and okay. so I would work with him Good doing artist. exhibitions. Yeah. And then also Selby Gardens, they would do little exhibitions occasionally, ah. and. Strangely enough, uh, the whole, those two things actually have a tie-in to what's going on, what I've been doing now, okay. which is kind of interesting, and I'll, right. I'll, I'll bring that up later on. Yeah. Anyhow, that's kind of what I, I do. I do framing. I would do, I mean, literally everything you do, you would do at the museum, uh-huh. I would do on my own. And, right, right. But the only, the only difference is that, you know, the museum, you kind of have everything there handy that's, and mm-hmm. easy to work with, but... When you're on your own, you're kind of scrambling to figure out how to get it from there to here, and ordering frame materials, mm-hmm. etc., and having a place to do all that stuff. It was interesting, to say the least. Yeah, I hear you. Like, so you made you officially made a, a transition out of out of the out of Ringling Museum and into the freelance world for a little yeah. while. Uh, yeah, and I did that. Yeah, I did that till '95, basically. Again, '95, '96, something like that. I wanted to ask about something that you mentioned uh, when I talked to you before about a scale model of of the of Taj Mahal. That yeah, yeah, that was another one of the strange jobs. Yeah, um, the Ringling had referred me to the to LACMA, which is the Los Angeles County Museum of Art, uh-huh. and they said we have an individual in Sarasota that. Mm-hmm owns a scale model, a hand-carved scale model of the Taj Mahal that I guess goes back. It was, it was done, you know, I think at the beginning of the century, beginning of the, of the okay. 20th century, something like that. And it was, I guess, considered important enough to where they wanted it. They wanted it. Mm-hmm. And, so um, so and was this model made before the building, or was it made just to commemorate the building, or do you know anything? Oh, oh no! I think I, you know. Um, I, I'm not sure when the Taj Mahal was built, but it's certainly mm-hmm. before 1900. Yeah, yeah. I think. Um, oh, yeah, so that I, was you know, 1600s. Was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like okay. no, this, in fact, it's it's very common. You you you'll see a lot of scale models of mm-hmm. those kind of buildings. And in fact, if you were to, to just Google scale model of mm. the Taj Mahal, there's there. You can you oh, can buy them and they can be from cheap nothing to to incredibly oh, expensive okay. and ornate. Okay. Um, this was a strange one because it was done. You know, it was very. It was almost like um, it was done in India, of course, mm-hmm. and okay. and it was done by uh, by craftsmen there, following some, which I guess is why they wanted it. It was it was much more true true to what you would see from their own uh, craft. Heritage. Yeah, because they have a tradition of, of carvers yes. that do the yes. gods and the yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So I go to this house out on the Keys, and uh-huh. uh, and this woman is a wonderful woman. She uh-huh. she's incredible, and she took me down to this basement area because they, they have basements straight. They have all the houses out on the Key are up built up 
Okay. One one story. Okay. The living areas okay. and stuff because of the flood issues. Right, right. So down underneath, she had all this, you know, this, this whole storage room mm-hmm. full of this scale model in pieces all over the place. Wow. And so, and I, so I was talking to her. I said, well, you know, what, what is, what, where did this come from? Why do you even have it? Uh-huh. And she said, well, her and her husband, um, and once again, this is all Sarasota-centric yeah, 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 you know, yeah. history. So, but but her and her husband owned the restaurant that was in the Ringling Hotel, which was in the back in the day, yes. the most swanky hotel, mm-hmm. you know, in, in all of this area. And it was um, was it when when they owned that? Was that still something that John Ringling did? He still own the hotel, or did did? Oh no! I this, guess not. This was this was, was yeah no uh, he you know he died he in like passed. the thirties okay. you know okay. yeah Sorry. so yeah he he this was in probably the fifties okay when they when they had this was, in maybe early sixties okay but there are pictures of the of the restaurant they they actually had circus acts they would perform for the for the patrons uh, for the in diners the, in the hotel no in the restaurant. In the restaurant, oh, amazing! In the okay. restaurant, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, this this scale model was assembled in in the middle of the restaurant. It was okay. like a like a showcase thing for them. Ah. And so, uh, so anyway, I ended up getting all the parts and and you know bringing them back to mm-hmm. my 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 studio in my shop mm-hmm. and constructed. I think it took something like eleven or twelve crates to ship that thing to <sighs> Los Angeles. Oh, and boy. I mean, it was it was amazing. It was incredible. It was uh, it put together. I think it probably took up a, a space of something like I don't know, twelve by twelve, fifteen by fifteen geez. foot. You know, platform would probably amazing. maybe accommodate it. It was it was huge. I mean, it really was. Wow. But anyhow, that was a uh-huh. that was a bizarre one. But it, that one went pretty smooth. Okay. Um, it's got a good story. Got a good story behind. Yeah, but it's, yeah. like I said, there's, there's, you know, there's, I, I had another another one which was kind of one of those weird oh. things. I got a call. Oh yeah. Got one's installations done. He just moved here. Well, he moved here from New York. He mm-hmm. had a he had a winter home here, mm-hmm. and he um, he wanted some artwork installed. I go there, and he's got a ton of artwork already up on the walls. And I'm uh-huh. thinking, where is he going to put it? He says, well, you know, I've got, um, I've just got these few pieces. I want to finish it off. I'd like to have a little input on where you think might be a good place. Uh-huh. And it, the stuff he had in there was mostly just pedestrian. It wasn't really wasn't that interesting. Mm-hmm. But he also had, like, original Andy Warhol drawings. Oh, Okay. And he had uh, Picasso ceramics, and he mm-hmm. had you know, so he, and he had a few pieces that were quite nice, and and some stuff that I wasn't familiar with, maybe you know, like some uh, Chinese paintings. Mm-hmm. But the funny part about it was, that we're talking, and I said, you know, well, how long have you been? There? He said, well, I have an apartment in New York City, and you know, that's where most of my stuff is, uh-huh. my good stuff. And I said, well, I'd like to see that. He says, yeah, you know. I said, well, how did you get into art? And he said, well. I got into it because I, he was an accountant. He uh-huh. said, I, he said when, I, when I got started in accounting, I was, I was Jackson Pollock's accountant. Oh. <laughs> he said, and I kind of got interested in art when, in, you know, at that point. And okay. I said, well, that's fascinating. You know, so you just, you just meet people, you know, like, you, like I met this fellow who was a, um, uh, an executive at the I think NBC News organization. Okay, okay. I mean, you meet meet fascinating people, and 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 they and, you know, but you meet them outside of their of, of their realm. No, right, right. You're not dealing with them as what they're famous for or what no, they're well known for. If you were for. in their realm, you probably wouldn't be introduced. 
Correct. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That is interesting. That's cool. Yeah. So that that was that, and, and that brought me up to you know the point where I was like, I started getting burnt out on mm-hmm. just doing what I was doing, and and I and I'll be honest with you, Larry, I I was it it, it was it was a it was a lot of effort. Mm-hmm. I mean, to scramble up work and mm-hmm. to balance, uh, you know, all the things you have to do. And, and it just wasn't a heck of a lot of money. Sure. Sure. I mean, and I kept thinking to myself, well, what's going to happen, you know, down the road. Right. And I thought, well, you know, number one is if I'm, and I started actually losing interest in doing my own artwork too, because mm-hmm. all this stuff was to serve doing my own artwork, and right, I felt right, like right, I had right. got to a point where I wasn't even doing my artwork anymore mm-hmm. because it, to the demands of having to try to do all these all these jobs and yeah, I can and I mean I did I continued then yeah. and I think though around ninety two ninety three ninety four started uh-huh. to wane a little bit mm-hmm. ninety four ninety five is when it really kind of I just I felt like I had lost. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I guess I, I lost my muse. I lost yeah, that whole drive to do the art. Yeah. And and if I'm not going to do that, then I saw no reason to continue doing the art stuff, the art related services. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So that's when I looked to try to do something else. And and yeah. I and back to the whole thing about you know working as a display artist and mm-hmm. and doing these other things. Uh, I started thinking, well, what did artists used to do back you know back in the early 20th century, you know, the 40s and right, 50s and 30s, paid. you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah where they got paid. And one of the things was, you know, it was either commercial art, you know, those, you know, commercial art, or I thought, well, what about drafting? Mm-hmm. That's still drawing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, it's technical, but it's drawing. Yeah, yeah. And you get to do some interesting things. And I mm-hmm. thought, well, I mean, that might be interesting. So I, I decided to investigate. Mm-hmm. I did have, my brother had done that kind of work. Okay. And um, so I had some exposure to it okay. there. Um, but long story short, I decided to try out the drafting program at the SCTI, which is the technical institute here in town. Okay. And okay. got into their program, and uh, you know, got you know graduated from that in '96. All right. All and um, then I got a little job with an architect doing some stuff that I, I didn't really care for. I mean, mm-hmm. it was like, I'm not, not so keen on this. Right, right. But then I got a job with a small civil engineering firm. Uh-huh. And that was interesting because it's just two guys, just two engineers. Okay. And and what I would do for them, <laughs> because this whole thing happened, like, say, in the mid-'90s, mm-hmm. AutoCAD, was, AutoCAD and computer drafting existed, uh-huh. but there were still a lot of people doing hand drafting. Yeah, yeah. Because it was what's still one of those things where... Uh, the transition hadn't been complete. Right. I mean, it was still, you know. And so what they would have me do, I'd say they'd have a, a, a CAD person outside of the company mm-hmm. would draft up the base work, and then they would send, they would give us the sheets, mm-hmm. and then I would hand draft all the other stuff on there. Oh, okay. And, yeah, and so it was so, and, but then I was learning about, you know, all the different term, the terminology, but mm-hmm. it was, talk about, complete focus to go from doing what I had been doing to yeah. suddenly getting into things that I had absolutely no idea about. Uh, cause I, I didn't have science. I did. I went to college without much math. Uh-huh. I mean, frankly, right, right, right. Um, and now all of a sudden I'm doing, you know, geometry and trigonometry <laughs> and learning about science related, you know, in, you know, civil engineering. 
Right, right. Long story short was that was that took an enormous amount. Then on top of it, mm-hmm. um, they said, "Well, we're going to buy this CAD program," mm-hmm. and, and I did get a little exposure to it in the in the program that I was in. Right, the right. last job we did, the last assignment for the, to graduate was to um, to do a complete set of plans in AutoCAD uh-huh. for a building for a design. So I did that and. I had, so I was aware of it, but right. I, you know, I didn't know that much about it still. Yeah. So I had to learn that on the job, and that was interesting uh-huh. to say the least. Oh, At least yeah. these two guys were so patient with me. They were, they were. I mean, you know. Yeah. They well, would they say, need, you know, we need, we need to, we need to draw this swale, this line. I said, well, what the hell is a swale? I didn't right, even know what right. it was. <laughs> so, but, so but they, knew, they, yeah. So neither of them used AutoCAD. At the time, they didn't know, and yeah. in fact, um, they they knew it because they were engineers. Right. You know, uh, they they had a person that they knew and was familiar with that was doing the AutoCAD work for them. I see. I see. Yeah, but then they bought a little uh, what's called AutoCAD LT, which is a um, it's a laptop version of AutoCAD. Okay. That's the LT, but but regardless, it's like a light version of AutoCAD. Okay. And. So they had me try to learn on it so they could then, you know, they, they wanted me to, to try to do more with what they were right. playing around with. Dude, they went, yeah. And, but then, uh, and then shortly after, I, you know, I think I was with them, I was part-time with them. Because mm-hmm. uh, I, I kind of actually continued doing some framing and stuff to kind of make money oh. coming in. Okay, okay. I, did a lot, I did, actually did a lot of framing. I mean, oh, a lot of galleries and artists in town and uh-huh. you name it. Uh, uh-huh. but. So I would do that, and then I worked part time for them. And mm-hmm. then in '98, I got an opportunity with this larger firm. Okay. And they they were needing uh, somebody, and they they knew these two guys because these two guys used to work at that firm way back, like uh-huh. 20 years before that. Uh-huh. So they they were familiar with the, with the people I was working with, uh-huh. and they were familiar with the style. They and so it was an easy transition for me because. Okay. They were doing. They were still doing everything similar ways. Uh huh. Okay. Um, and so, but I mean, in terms of the the type of details they used, the way the sets were constructed, and all, and the kind of kind of layouts things were done in, but um, the advantage was that I had already had already gotten somewhat familiar with AutoCAD enough to where I didn't come in so totally blind. Yeah. And um, so I, I and I worked my way up from there and. After twenty plus years, I, you know, that is cool. Uh, I got up to being a senior designer. That is a good deal. Well, also you um um you sh- you shared a story with me that goes back to the Ringling Hotel. Mm-hmm. That your first one of your first jobs was the building that replaced that building. Yeah, actually. one of the first jobs I got at this company mm-hmm. was to do the site. Uh, it was the site. We did site design, and I'm not going to get into you know what that is in civil engineering. In other words, what as opposed to like say built you know bridge uh-huh. design or that kind of thing. Uh-huh. This site design is when you design the physical aspects of the site that this building is going to be put on. Okay, that's the topology, the mm-hmm. underground utilities, uh-huh. the um, you know. The lay what of the kind of curve lands. is going to be used? Yes, yeah. exactly. Okay. So, but um, I, one of my first jobs was to design the Ritz Carlton, which which took 
which is what they tore down the Ringling Hotel uh-huh. ultimately for. It was uh-huh. was to build the Ritz Carlton. Uh, okay. So it's kind of you know, and it, like I said, there's more of this kind of circling back because mm-hmm. you know my situation now mm-hmm. to kind of bring it up to date is like I say after after 20 plus years I've decided now to retire last year uh-huh. and uh, and and I started getting back into doing my own artwork again and yeah. and I. I rediscovered my muse, if you will. I, I became <laughs> I became interested in doing my artwork again, yeah. and uh, and so in the meantime, I was like, well, I don't know anybody. I mean, I've been out of it, and I, when I got out of it, I literally got out of it. Uh-huh. I mean, I just you know, I still have people in town that I know that I knew back in the in the nineteen ninety eighty mm-hmm. night. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I I mean, I still have some some connection to some of those people, but. But I didn't, you know, I didn't go to art shows, really, you know, art exhibits. I didn't hang out, you know, with artists and talk to them. Right. So okay. it was like, well, I need to, I need to kind of, if I'm going to get back into this and mm-hmm. get involved in doing my own work, I need to kind of, because I have to, I would like to show it. So I mm-hmm. need to figure out where, where opportunities are. Yeah. So I start, I started trying to find out who were people to meet and talk to. And one of the people that I was, uh, kind of pointed to was was Tim Yeager, who is the director of the uh, the galleries at the Ringling College of Art okay. and Design. Yeah. He's the he's the director and curator of the galleries okay. there. I feel like and I know that I mean, name, but yeah, he's uh, he, oh Larry, if you haven't gone online to look at the Ringling Art School now and what the difference between when you were going I there and what it is now, <laughs> I've seen a couple of things. Would, yeah. You would be, yeah, you'd be shocked. Well, one of the things is, like, for example, they have seven galleries on on at the campus, Jeez. plus plus one downtown and mm-hmm. a and a and a satellite version down in Inglewood. That is unbelievable so, to me. Yeah, and uh, of the seven on campus, I think mm-hmm. I think it's seven. Um, we handle um, four of them plus the one downtown. Uh huh. So, make a long story short, I introduced myself to Tim. Mm-hmm. At his, he had a, he had a, was involved in a gallery at the time, and they were having an opening. So I kind of I saw this as an opportunity, and it turned out that his background was he he also had worked with Kevin Dean ah, when he was a student at Ringling, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he. Uh, so I told him about how you know I had worked with Kevin when I was had my own little freelance thing going and mm-hmm. and that you know we so we had that in common and then he also i think had worked at the Ringling museum briefly as a okay. preparator Perfect. um and so long story short he says well listen are you interested in getting back into doing this kind of uh-huh. thing i said well i don't know i'm retired and you know i, I guess you know part-time maybe he said perfect he says I, I i i got a part-time position and i'll get back in touch with you so <laughs> about a month later i heard from him and and I went through the application process uh-huh. at the school, so I'm now a, a, an employee at the Ringling Art School. Very, or very Ringling nice. College of Art and Design. Really I have to remember. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a college now. So uh, yeah. yeah, but the, but the, that's <laughs> that's a full, 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 full circle side of that thing as well, you know. And then and then uh, a little bit of an aside is as an employee at the Ring at the uh-huh. Ringling School, uh-huh. a, a college, uh-huh. they are affiliated and owned. I guess own is not the right word, but they're, they are involved. They, I guess they do own it. Okay. The new museum that's gone in here in Sarasota, it's called the Sarasota Art Museum, and yeah. it's, it's a museum of contemporary art. Yeah. 
And it's at the old Sarasota High School on Tamiami Trail. Mm-hmm. Um, Which I remember. They yeah. converted the building. Mm-hmm. But they were doing their inaugural <laughs> exhibition mm-hmm. uh, last year, and uh-huh. they were they were way behind on getting the installation done because it's a lot of work and sure. time was running out because they were doing a soft opening in December. Mm-hmm. Well, they called Tim and asked if there were anyone, if anyone at the, that was helping him was interested in going down and working with them. And so, I, of course, I volunteered to go. Yeah. And so they hired me down there to, well, you know, it's like still, it's still a school employee. So okay. it was easy, easy move down. And I, so I helped them with the initial um, inaugural exhibition. Uh-huh. We did, uh, and so I got to work with some people. And uh, a couple of the guys that I worked with, and that's another thing that's kind of interesting. There's now, I think, five companies in Sarasota alone specialize in art-related services, mm. either wow. art handling, installation, or, or uh, 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 mount making, yeah. uh, you name it. Uh, but long story short, mm-hmm. these two guys are great. They, they, are, they work at the Ringling Museum, mm-hmm. uh, and they also work at the SAM. We call it SAM. SAM. But, yeah. okay. but one of the things they did, you know, is they, they also do the Selby Gardens. They're still doing art exhibits. Oh, and I said, okay. oh, my God, I used to do those back in the 90s. <laughs> and they, they were laughing. <laughs> but they were talking. They, and I, and they, I was telling them about working at the Ringling Museum and how the, the implementation department, I kept using that term. And one of them says, that's what that means. I said, what are you talking about? He said, yeah. I keep, we keep you know, when we're at the, at the Ringling Museum working, he uh-huh. says, I always see this stuff written on, like, the dolly or, uh, uh-huh. or the, or the, the um, what's that, Jack Bar, you know, the J- thing that's the Jay Bar, Bar, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he <laughs> says, I see implementation written. I said, I always wonder what the hell that was. He said, yeah, that was the name of the department. Yeah, that might be the only place they called it implementation. Yes, yeah, it might be. Um <laughs> So long story short is that, you know, it's funny how full circle. I mean, yeah. here I am, you know, I'm in my six, you know, in, I'm, I'm in the latter, latter, latter half of my 60s. Right. And I'm going back and kind of picking up all this stuff that I did in my late 30s and, you know, yeah. early 40s. Yeah, so yeah. it's kind of, it, it's funny how that, how things come back around, yeah. I guess, is what, what the ultimate end is. Yeah, that is, yeah, I like that. I love that story. It really did come full circle and you and you're just like you're like helping yeah. out making a little extra cash and also yeah yeah and i get to i get to meet great people i mean yeah. uh they're the you know zach and javi the two guys i work with zach has his own company uh-huh. uh art installations and he works at the at the school uh-huh. doing the uh helping with the installations there right. um and they're great guys they're artists both of them and mm-hmm. uh and then jody and mike the guys that work that I worked with at Sam, uh-huh. and they uh-huh. have their own business. They do uh, installation work and a lot of uh, furniture building. They okay. do false walls and that kind of stuff, oh, pedestals, yeah. you uh-huh. name it. And wow. but neither one of them are artists. That's kind of odd. Yeah. I mean, like I said, and I think the fellow you talked to um, that ha- is involved with packing. Yes. Uh, he said he was not an artist either. And I, that's yeah. very unusual in this business. I mean, I would say 90% of the people doing it are, mm. are artists. Exactly. And that's exactly. how why they're doing it. Right, right. Yeah, you're in it You're in it because you're an artist, sort of. You just... Yeah, you're figuring out a way to make money, you yeah, know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's that's kind of what always drove me to some mm-hmm. extent. It, it, and then I guess when I got to that point of wanting to shift mm-hmm. years in, in mid-90s, 
yeah. it was well I, I need to I need to keep it within the art at least keep it within my skill set because mm-hmm. I'm not going to go out and learn something totally new no. I mean but ended up I ended up doing that anyway uh-huh. yeah <laughs> let's face it well, I, it, mm-hmm. Larry when I got into doing the drafting thing yeah. I had never even turned a computer on that is amazing I, I had yeah. I had no I mean literally had yeah. never even turned a computer on amazing and uh so that was a that was a learning curve that I don't want to repeat. I'll be honest no. with you. No, I I can share that because I had I'm even further uh, behind you as as that goes because I I had resigned myself to be the one that would never cross over to the you know to computers, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I had a it was only that I ended up at the at the Georgia Museum of Art in front of a computer with email and. Mm-hmm. The option to to work on InDesign and Adobe products that I that I did eventually learn it, but it is right. The, it, the, like you can't like if you want to use an art program and it's something you knew how to do with pencils, and that, it is very painful to try to like make that. It transition. is, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. You, you know, <laughs> and when you when you learn how to do something on a on a program like that too, it's mm-hmm. hard to transition. Like I find myself wanting to do AutoCAD related. Um, Techniques oh. when I'm using photo, you know, Photoshop. Right, right. Like, oh damn, I can't do that. Does it? Yeah, right. <laughs> whole, wholly different, you know, because mm-hmm. it's a whole. You know, it's vector versus pixel. So yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyhow, but but uh, like that's a perfect that's a perfect uh, segue into something I was going to ask oh, you yeah. about, and that and that is you know the future. What the heck the future holds for what we what we do now, and yeah, you know, how is that going to you know? And I, a couple of things that I know are coming up the pike, and it, mm-hmm. and it ties into what we're actually talking about right here. And that is, you know, I think we're going to see more and more um, a move toward both augmented reality mm-hmm. and virtual reality and virtual exhibits. Yeah. And I know, like, you're familiar with the Dali Museum down here yeah. in St. Right? Yeah, St. Pete. Yeah. Well, they're, they've been making that transition for a little while now, really? and in fact, I was I went to a show there uh, last last year mm-hmm. that was but um, focused on. In fact, that what was that actually was what the show was mm-hmm. was augmented reality, and it was Dolly's paintings. Mm-hmm. And what they oh, did no. was uh-huh. is they had this thing that would project onto the painting mm-hmm. something about it that they wanted to highlight. But maybe you know, okay, if, if it's a double image, they would then maybe highlight actual painting but you would see an image on the painting itself uh-huh. of what they wanted to, to show you i mean you know like okay there's the tour toyer doors face and they you know and if you saw the painting you wouldn't necessarily see the face right off uh-huh, but they would uh-huh. highlight that and make make it obvious or something uh-huh. and you, you could you could download this program on your phone and you mm-hmm. walk around and then it would then tell you about all this stuff okay. so you could hear it you know so they're they're moving very swiftly into this augmented reality mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Um, and then of course the you know even the school you know the college where I'm, yeah. where I'm at now they are now they they just did the best of Ringling and the senior thesis shows uh-huh. as virtual exhibitions. Oh yeah. So you go online uh-huh. and you would you would access the exhibition mm-hmm. and you walk into a gallery. Uh, you literally walk in and go, and uh, each of the pieces are on the wall, uh-huh. and they have, you know, you, you click on the piece, and it gives you, you know, who did it and uh-huh. what, what the media was, uh, you know. Uh-huh. And there was, like, a little little blurb from the head of the department, because they had, you know, 
I guess the Ringling now has something like 12 departments. Yeah. It used to be fine arts, illustration, interior design. You know, there used to be yeah, yeah. just a few. Well, now there's like 12. And, Jeez. Oh, my God. Yeah. And they all have their own thing. I talked but, to... Uh, and Jim... Go ahead. Go I ahead. talked to Raph, and he had seen some of their um, animation studios, and he mm-hmm. yep. he was very impressed. He compared oh them my to gosh. other pro studios he's seen in oh, LA listen, and stuff. They, yeah, they are, they are, and I mean, they have people coming in and working with them. Uh-huh. I mean, well known, well known producers, directors, mm. actors, you name it, that wow. are coming in and working because of their reputation. Wow, but. Uh, but Tim has also mentioned about the future with what we're doing, and, and more and more we're doing, um, you know, like when we do an installation, mm-hmm. I mean, there's been some installations we've done where we put in, you know, three or four uh, monitors up on the wall. I mean, yeah. you know, so mounting monitors become a technique in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, and, and I guess it's the, the physical handling of artwork mm-hmm. is something that I think we're going to see some changes. Uh, yeah. It won't go away because, I mean, I, I think I don't, I think you and I both, and I don't know that there are many people who would argue that when you're looking at a painting on a monitor, it's not the same. you're seeing yeah. something, but, but it's not the same mm. as seeing the painting for, right. for in real life. And, mm-hmm. and there's just, there's just no trans, there's no translation there. Mm-hmm. No matter how crisp and clear the monitor may be and how, well, they do it in mm-hmm. terms of raking lights and stuff to show textures. Yeah. You still really don't get that. Yes. Um, and yeah. the subtleties and color shifts and things. So I'm, I'm, just, I'm wondering. I mean, I have no idea. I have no, no. idea where the future but, of this yeah. kind of, of art handlers, preparators, you know, lies. Well, they get, yeah, they probably yeah, are going to have to be a little bit more uh, uh, tech savvy, you know. Yes. But, like, yeah, like you were saying, I don't think the traditional forms will go all the way away because you know but yeah yeah if you're setting up equipment it's and audio visual yeah. And yeah and i mean let's face it even if it isn't even if they open up all museums and galleries mm-hmm. in which they are going to eventually oh. do oh, i'm yes. sure yeah, yeah, yeah. but the, but there's still going to be issues like i mean okay they may open the Museum of Modern Art in New York City, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to get on a plane traveling to New York City. <laughs> right, you know what I mean? Because right. yeah. I'm not going to get on a plane because of, you know, until they, until they get this thing squared away. Right, and it right. may not be for a while. That's, um, uh, yeah, good point. So yeah, yeah. they're going to have to figure out how, and I mean, travel alone. I mean, mm-hmm. Tess and I were talking about this because we, we travel a lot. I mean, that's yeah. one thing we've done in this, in the last 20 years is we have, we have, we've done, quite a few trips overseas. Yeah. And yeah. we have an opportunity next year. We're actually signed up to go on a trip to, to Vietnam. Okay. And <laughs> we're talking, and it's like, you know, it's, it's going to be difficult because, you know, it's not so much that I'm afraid of getting the virus, even if they, you know, you know if, they, if they don't have a vaccine, 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 for example. Yeah, yeah. But what I'm more afraid of is something happening that shuts everything down the way it did in in February and March, right. where you might get stranded somewhere, and then what do you do? Right, you might be able to come back. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So it's not so much that I'm afraid of getting sick as mm-hmm. I'm afraid of getting trapped or stranded mm-hmm. someplace mm-hmm. that I can't get out of or I can't right. get away from. Yeah, that's... like those guys who were caught down in Peru and they couldn't even get out of their hostel because oh, the police man. were surrounded it because somebody oh. had gotten. 
the virus. Uh, amazing. Uh, so they were there for like a month, sh- and they couldn't get out. They couldn't oh, even boy. leave the building. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's something so, taken into consideration. Like I said. Yeah. It's one thing being stuck in your own home. <laughs> yes. It's, one thing, it's another to be stuck in a country that you don't know right. and, and uh, customs that you're not familiar with. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so needless to say, I think there's going to be a lot of shifts and changes to, yeah. to our rela- reality period. In fact, yeah. I'm, I'm maybe they ought to change that term, augmented reality, <laughs> yeah. something a little different, because I think we're already living that. Exactly. But, um, yeah, new, yeah, new reality. But it's just curious. I mean, the, the, the tools we use, the techniques we, we you know, incorporate are all going to be shifting. I think mm-hmm. it's just going to be, uh, you know, uh, an interesting time. It's, it's going to be uh, interesting. For me, it's, it's, it's probably not as big a deal only because I'm, I'm at the end of, of what I'm doing as far as, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not looking at making a career out of it. And, right. Uh, it, it's, it's something that I do because I love doing it. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, would I love it if it's, if it's all on a, on a monitor? Right, you know, right. if all I do is go in and, and put monitors on the wall, mm-hmm. is that something that I'm really going to, yeah. It might be engaging. I might, yeah. I might, I might get engaged by it yeah. because I was surprised that I got, in, got involved with the uh, with AutoCAD and learning mm-hmm. that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, I yeah. I, end of the day, mm-hmm. you know, it's it, it's it's going to be different. Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. It'll be yeah. Be lift, and I like. Well, what have you? Huh? What have you heard from the people, other people you've talked to about this? Did they have they commented on it um, or? Uh, what uh, about the new newer? Technology. Well, just or about, just the, about the, what uh, may what may happen, you know. But yeah, what, I mean, what so, changes this is going to trigger? I mean, there's there's like general, you know, general kind of anxiety on the subject. I, I, one guy I spoke to, they had they had their uh, freelancers scheduled, you know, and then they had to lay them all off, and mm-hmm, right, and, uh, and there's other, you know, at our museum we're postponing shows and. Mm-hmm. You know, delaying re- returns and and uh, I guess we're we're trying to come up with a plan for a graduated you know reopening. You know, it's, right? It's it's, it's uh, safe. Well, I've looked online. I I looked into it a little bit, just asking you know that question. Mm-hmm. You know, the future of of fine arts exhibitions and mm-hmm. and just in general, and and that the most common. Google response was that, you know, the, the move toward virtual, mm-hmm. the move toward putting it online, putting mm-hmm. things online. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and I guess more and more and more that just points to, mm-hmm. you know, you would hate that, that the, the thing that we do, would mm-hmm. it was, it's just going to become more of a custodial kind of, yeah. Where all we do is move move stuff around in the vault. Or you, you know? could be the guy that yeah goes and uh, takes pictures of stuff. <laughs> yeah, and then gets exactly. it online. Yeah, well we have that. Yeah, we have done a few things. We've sent out uh, our education department has sent out little packages for kids to do mm-hmm. projects, and we put some uh, video sort of storytelling and you know a few. Th- so we have done. We transitioned pretty fast into reaching out to the community in the best right. other ways that we could. But, yeah, what you're also saying is I really hope that's not the new normal. You know, like yeah. when are we going to just walk around in a gallery and spend as much time as we want with, you know, 
our favorite yeah. paintings. You know. Well, you know, it's like I, I imagine that won't go away. Yeah. But it, I, I think that the whole concept of you know these these exhibitions that mm-hmm. I mean, because let's face it, when you when you work at a museum, and I'm sure you you experience this quite a bit when you're working at a museum. You have the permanent collection, which mm-hmm. does oh, yeah. have some changes throughout time, mm-hmm. but for the most part stays fairly, uh, in terms of the time, and it stays fairly constant through time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when it when it comes down to it, you know, it's the it's the it's the temporary exhibits that, that trigger a lot of the work you do. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And, and so, if those things start to go away, then a lot of the work that that would, right. you know. Mm-hmm. Come your way is going to start you know, evaporating, and the, like that's why I hope it just doesn't become one of these custodial things where mm-hmm. your I your see. job is to you know just mm-hmm. move stuff around in the vault. And, yeah, you know, and dust. If something needs conserved. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Something <laughs> needs conserved. You can't move it. In. You move mm-hmm. it over to the lab, and it gets worked on, and yeah. then you move it back. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. Yeah, but but I can't imagine it being entirely like because you know yeah. just it's almost like the, there's a part of art that isn't finished until it is put up. Oh, you know good. what I mean? I like the way you said that. Yeah, it's finished when it's, when it's on the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, like, yeah. Hey, so, you know, if maybe the museums won't be so active, but at mm-hmm. least, you know, the big galleries that are want to mm-hmm. keep going and, you know. And there's artists that want to keep making work. Yeah. It's, it's not, yeah. not going to stop. Right. So. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, yeah. As much as the younger, as much as the younger set would like to tell you that all the all you know the, yeah. the future in art lies in, in yeah in, in the in the video monitor, you exactly. know. Well, yeah, no, you know, it's like it, it's been that all along. I mean, uh, something new has come along that was going to be the new thing, and it it doesn't necessarily go away, but it's not the only new thing. Right. So, so a lot of the traditional hands-on stuff stays around mm-hmm. you know yeah well actually you know the, speaking of which that's that the, the next thing i think is is, is the virtual reality where the, the actual mm-hmm. vr headsets yeah uh, that's yeah. going that's going to become i think the next I thing know. that we're going to start seeing more and more of. i know and so. i'm feeling like an old guy because i'm not i'm not <laughs> eager not eager to put one of those on, you know. I'm not eager. Hey, Larry, to Larry, play. embrace it, man. You can't stop it. As they always say, the alternative is a lot worse. Okay. You know, growing old is bad, but the alternative is worse. Yeah, so. I'm not gonna. I promise not to be old and and, and bitter and and never have <laughs> tried. You know, I'll yeah. Well, I'll give it a chance. Hey, <laughs> you you aren't bitter. You're just pissed. <laughs> but just yeah, yeah, just a little pissed. No, not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, that's yeah. yeah. I, I look forward to new things, and I just want everyone to be like healthy, you know, like yeah, not yeah. No, it, it would lives, be nice, you know? wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> funny how you know. I, I was, you know, Tess and I were talking about that. It's like you know, we we go along, and all you know, you never really think about things mm-hmm. changing. And I can, I can remember when I was when I was really young, I used to think. Wow, it'd be so exciting because what's going on right now in the world mm-hmm. is very similar to a lot of the movies that that I grew up mm-hmm. with in the '60s. Mm-hmm. You know, that yeah. you know, kind of the you know. Of course, this was during the Cuban Missile Crisis and, and the end of the world that's around the corner, and sure. you know, there's a lot of science fiction about you know, you know, things happening that would cause calamity throughout the world. Yeah. You know, Godzilla, even yeah. you know, Godzilla's even that. Right. Well, right. You know, now that it's actually kind of happening, it's mm-hmm. like, nah, this isn't cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I liked it in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I liked it in the movie. I don't like it in real life. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. 
Awesome, Keith. Well, That's I hope cool. this gives you an idea oh. of what you know what the background is. I mean, oh, what, yeah. what I've done. And, oh yeah, you know, no, I, I think been... it was. This has been very, very interesting talk. I really appreciate Keith. You've spending the oh, time yeah. and, and giving me, you know, sharing the stories and I. Uh, oh yeah, there's a lot. Well, I got here. a bunch of others, but okay. you know, I, well, I, <laughs> I figured there's a time limit, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a time. But we'll have to call you back for part two. You know, there's like. Uh... <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I would like to keep keep in touch with you about you know what you're finding, and and I'm interested in it. Yeah, it impacts yeah. me, of course, too. But but I think more than anything else, it's just you know I'm glad to have had a chance to to reconnect with you. Yeah, me too, Keith. I really yeah, I'd really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I will keep you keep you posted because uh, this whole uh, adventure of me <clears throat> uh, uh, re- reaching out to, to other people in the in the art handling field. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's way more than just putting a good story together for the podcast. It's like I have a a reason to, you know, make a phone call where where maybe I would have uh, hesitated in the past. Yeah. you know. So it's right. It's, exactly. It's been it's been uh, uh, enriching to me, in in more ways than I expected. So. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I was going to say you. It's like a it's like a benefit you didn't anticipate. Yeah. Know? Exactly. Exactly. But I will listen. We're going to come up and visit you once things get to a point where you can actually travel again and visit people again. Oh yeah, yeah, um, beautiful. Because you know we have we have the common friend up there in, in Athens, and and yes. we, we went through Athens last year uh-huh. on the way up to North Carolina just to visit a friend. And if we had had any time, we would have stopped. But we were actually just passing through, literally. Okay. And so, but you know, we we're like, oh man, we want to come back here and stop and just visit. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I love to see Athens, and I want to see the museum. I want to see. You know, get to see, visit visit Greg, and you know, yeah, see yeah. you, kind of, yeah, yeah. you know, and see what Athens is all about. I've heard so much about That'd it. That'd be awesome, Keith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd we'd love to have you. <laughs> okay, like I say, just because you know, uh, it's one of those things where it, it's funny now. It's like just traveling, just the fact of even mm-hmm. beyond going to the store. Is, you're thinking, you know, like my brother called, and he's he's thinking of maybe trying to visit relatives over in central florida he's he's living yeah. living in alabama right now right and i'm like you know ah, i don't know it's like are you yeah. sure you want to do that it's yeah, I mean, it changes everything it, it yeah. does it's changed everything at least until something you know triggers the safety well safety warning or the whatever the you know the vaccine maybe will be enough to where people will go ah we can yeah. actually relax a little bit now exactly yeah there's going to be it's going to work itself out some kind of way so yeah some way it's for sure <laughs> all right buddy i will uh, all right man I'll, I'll talk to you soon yes you will and i'll keep in touch with you all right thanks thanks Keith. okay larry thank you see you later bye-bye so a couple days later i did have to call keith back because i forgot to ask him about his time as a studio assistant for john chamberlain so i gave him a call back uh, I had to call you back because I realized I forgot to ask about John Chamberlain. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, I got the job at the museum, and uh, I, it was funny. Oh, After working there for a little while, I got, um, there was a, John was having a birthday party okay. for himself at the studio. Okay. And he invited everybody at the museum because they, they had just done, a, about two or three years prior to that, had just done a, um, uh, an exhibition of his bas reliefs wall hangings, wall pieces. Oh, okay. And and uh, he 
because he was knew everybody. He said, you know, get the whole crew to come on over. Well, I didn't do that exhibit, but yet because I was on the crew, I went to the party. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was this big-ass party. I mean, you know, a <laughs> couple hundred people there. And, I mean, his studio, you know, the the studio on, on 10th and Coconut was, that thing's 18,000 square feet. Wow. I wish I never got yeah. to I never got to see it. And, oh. oh, my God. It was an incredible space. But wow. regardless, uh-huh. I'm, in this, I'm in this party, and uh-huh. yeah, and yeah. I and he's standing there, um, and I walk up, and I just, I just for some reason, said, I'm, I'm going to take a chance. And uh-huh. I walk up, and I said, you know, John, I work at the museum, blah, blah, blah. I didn't do the show, but I didn't get to meet you, but... Um, I wanted to, to mention that Jimmy Ernst, I used to work for him before he passed away, and uh-huh. he, he said, you might be needing someone to do some, some work. Uh-huh. He said, sure. You know, because uh-huh. tell you what, come next next week, come in on Tuesday or whatever it was hey. at, after you get off at the museum. So he's very gruff and not really, you know, not very friendly, but mm-hmm. I said, okay, whatever. This gives me <laughs> an opportunity. Right, right. So I, I, uh, I show up. Uh, after work, I think I worked. I think we got off at four thirty or something, and I show up after work, and it was like, you know, didn't know what to expect, didn't know mm-hmm. what was going to happen. Well, there was nobody really. There was just him and Heidi and uh, Josa. Uh huh. Who, who, who are they? Is it? Oh. Well, Heidi, Heidi and Josa were. They were both people who kind of ran. They were the. Uh, Heidi did all his business dealings. She was she was like she kept all his business things in order. Okay. And Joseph did a lot of other things. She was kind of like a creative. She did things around. She did gardening. She did she did food. She did all kinds of stuff just in general around okay. the studio. Maybe mainly for John. Uh-huh. Um, so they were there, but uh, you know, John basically took me out to the studio and said, "Here, crush this stuff. Here's the thing, <laughs> and here's how it works." You know. Okay. And, and so. I just started trying to feel my way through it, and I. But I will be honest with you, Larry. I was so intimidated. He was so. I mean, he an intimidating presence. <laughs> he was very, very uh, hard to feel at ease around. Uh-huh. Um, plus the fact that he's a famous artist, and you know, here I yeah. am, some you know, some kid from Central Florida sure. who didn't really know, you know, how this all worked. <laughs> That's very. So, neat. and it was my first. Yeah, it was my first real experience. Um, you know, Jimmy, in spite of all the, you know, his he had a lot of recognition. What I did for him really wasn't much art-related. I mean, like I said, I only did a little bit of some stretching canvases and stuff, mm-hmm. but I didn't get in the middle of stuff with him. So but with John, you know, you didn't really have an alternative, and he didn't really explain a lot about what he wanted you to do. Yeah. So you, I think he wanted you to figure it out, and yeah. whatever you figured out, he would either take it or leave it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I think I spent the first couple of weeks kind of getting familiar, and I, and I got, you know, Heidi was wonderful. I okay. mean, she was so, she just was so great trying to help out, you know, figuring out what, to, <laughs> what uh-huh. I was supposed to do, how I was supposed to be. Uh-huh. Um, but, long, but anyway, to not belabor that whole thing, that's kind of the situation, how I got, got in there. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this was in 85, okay, uh, I think pretty early 85. I worked doing that, basically going in after, after the museum, uh-huh. going in and working till about 9 o'clock at night. Wow. And it was just pretty much me. I mean, there was, uh-huh. uh, rarely was there anybody else. Maybe Heidi would stay at mm-hmm. uh, night or Joseph would be there a lot. Okay. Did you, wait, how did, this, uh, was, how did this uh, uh, crusher uh, work? 
Was oh, it the crusher hand operated, <laughs> or was it? You a... know what it was? No, well, no, it was it was not hand operated. Mm-hmm. The, the crusher was a it was a hand baler. That's what it really was. Really. And what it what it amounted to was um, it was a motor driven chain connected press uh, a bar. Uh-huh. So that what would, what you do is you put the piece of metal on a plate, uh-huh. and then there was this bar that was connected to a, uh, a, a pulley system, chain-driven mm-hmm. pulley system, and you would hit the button, and it would go down, uh-huh. hit the button to go up, and it would go up. And okay. so the idea was you would just take the metal and move it around and shape it using this, because it, it oh. would compress, you know, thousands of pounds of pressure. Okay. Um, and it was, frankly, I have hearing problems because I oh, used that without, without using ear protection. Oh, shit. So, yeah, that wasn't any good. But <laughs> okay. anyhow, anyhow I, I was doing that um, mm-hmm. at night, mm-hmm. and then you know, of course, I was also using a cutting torch to cut off bumpers uh, into into segments and oh, sections wow. that he would then use. Um, he would want to say, "Well, I want I want them to be three feet long," you know. So uh-huh. cut this thing at three foot, and you know, oh, and he says, "I don't care," you know. And then he would lead you to do something else. Uh-huh. Um, it would just be a variety of things. Nothing, uh, there was, it, like, there, but shortly after I started, and I think what happened was he had just kind of gotten rid of a bunch of people, or I don't know if they left or he, he mm-hmm. asked them to leave or some. There was a whole group of, of assistants he had prior to me working there mm-hmm. um, that were, uh, I don't know, some, there was, I don't know if it was a falling out or what. I don't I actually don't know the the whole story. Yeah. But, he was didn't have a lot of people. He had tried to just building up a new crew, and I was one of the first people he got in there to do that with. And so I would say shortly thereafter, um, some other people were hired, and Scott Sr. was one of the first. And he was the guy who did the painting and uh, polycoating, which is once the piece is done, it has to be sealed up. He oh, painted okay. polyurethane on it. Wow, okay. Uh, sprayed it, you know, spray-painted. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, big, Jeez. big, like auto is like an auto body painter. Oh yeah, deal. But uh, Scott was an artist, and he was he was an incredible. He helped John so much. It was an, it was amazing. So anyhow, um, I did that until I finished my gig at the museum. When I left the museum in '88, mm-hmm. uh, John asked me if I would be interested in coming in. You know, kind of working the crew. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. either working full time or, or kind of taking over a more, more uh, uh, different like position. Manage the crew, or yeah. Well, I don't think it was managing as uh-huh. much as kind of like uh, arranging for, like, kind of being in between working in the crew, but mm-hmm. also arranging for things, calling for supplies, mm-hmm. arranging for shipping, that kind of stuff. Okay. Right. Um, along with Heidi, kind of working as more of a between Heidi and the crew. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I'll be honest with you, I turned him down oh. <laughs> because two reasons. One is I had just left the museum, and I was kind of more concerned about trying to get something going for myself trying to do that your own time. I had more control yeah. over. Yeah. yeah. And number two, his personality is so strong, mm-hmm. and even though I got along pretty well with him, and, mm-hmm. and, and he was, you know, pretty I – think, I think he liked me and liked what I was able to do for him. Yeah. But – uh, I just felt like he would suck all my creative energy mm-hmm, out. Mm-hmm. I mean, because he was such a strong personality. Sure, sure. <laughs> so uh, 
you know, and so I, I just turned it down, and I just felt like it was that if I did that, it would probably be either short lived or it would not end well. Uh huh. Uh huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's I like think I, I just, yeah. you know, this is not gonna, you know, either he get pissed off at me and tell me to get the hell out, uh-huh. <laughs> and then what am I gonna do? Right, you know, right. kind of thing. But I said, you know, I would like to try to continue working for you part time, doing things like training. I did a lot of training for him. Okay. Um, I did uh, crating, a lot of crating. All right. Um, and you know, just you name it. I would just come in whenever they needed some assistance doing mm-hmm. stuff. I quit doing the the crushing and and cutting and that kind of thing because he actually had he hired a fellow named Garth who became the manager of the of the shop. Uh-huh. He had a good. He had a great welder. Jack Crawford um, okay. was his welder. Okay. And I don't know uh, if you remember um, Doug Appleton. They called him hmm. Dogfish. Uh, maybe I met him. I'm not I sure. think you probably did meet him. But he uh, he was there. And so there's a lot of other people. Mark Nettles. I mean, there was people that would come in and out. Photographers uh-huh. would work there because um, he had so many things going on. Um, in fact, a fellow who started working for him doing. Uh, his uh, developers, his developing his photography work mm-hmm. um, was uh, John Conley, who was my old New College roommate. Ah, yeah, that's that's kind of that was kind of interesting. Cool. So yeah, and, but anyhow, um, that whole thing became um, it was it was as if once you started getting these things to do, they opened other doors. Like. Mm-hmm. You know, working for Jimmy opened a, opened a couple of doors, and then the next thing I know, I'm at the museum, and that opens the doors for a lot of other stuff. And but also the fact that it was just a great environment to work in. I mean, John was was a very very tough person. Uh, you you know he there would be some evenings I'm in there working, and he comes out and he starts scrolling stuff, and it's just just thinking, oh my god, Wait, pushing sculptures over. Oh, like uh, temper tantrum style? Or... Yeah. Wow. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. He, I mean, he had an explosive personality, uh-huh. and, oh. it, and the explosive was literal. I mean, we're not mm. talking ticketed. Uh, I mean, he, he would just go crazy sometimes. Um, Yikes. And, of course, he was a hard liver. I mean, he, mm-hmm. you know, he didn't, he didn't, he, he liked his uh, substances. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, that could see how the, a full-time job there would be, like... We didn't have enough time in this episode to share all of Keith's John Chamberlain's stories, but if you become a patron for as little as $1 a month, I will share the unedited John Chamberlain story. Keith had a lot more uh, interesting things to say about working with John Chamberlain. So uh, check it out. Well, full circle for Keith. That's how you do it. Study art, make art, find a way to pay the bills, and engage the community. Thanks, Keith. So great to reconnect with you. My name is Larry Fort. You have been listening to Limited Perspective, and I'll see you next time.